today than we've ever needed him before. Thank you for that good song. Open your Bibles again to Genesis chapter 18. I'm going to preach uh, this morning a message uh, where the Bible truth has been a tremendous encouragement to me this week. I mean, this this passage of Scripture has been a tremendous encouragement. You may think, uh, preacher, this is not a very encouraging uh, passage of Scripture. I think you'll see it different as I preach uh, the message uh, this morning. It's interesting to me how the revelation and the realization of God's Word in our day reveals more and more of His Word to us. The more I live it, the more real it becomes to me. I want to preach this morning on this subject, a righteous man living in a wicked day. A righteous man living in a wicked day. I think I think that we'll find some great encouragement and a great challenge and motivation for our Christian life in the passage this morning. Before I preach, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray. And again, uh, I pray not because I'm required to, uh, not because, Lord, it is habit to, but, Lord, I do hunger for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I pray that you would help me to convey the truth to the people this morning as the Holy Spirit has conveyed to me uh, in your word that has been such a help and such an encouragement uh, to my heart as we live in this most wicked day of America. I pray your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, uh, amen. Uh, This summer I have spent some time thinking, and I could use the word grieving, about how far our nation has declined in sin. Not just in sin, but in crime and even uh, common sense. America is not the nation that you and I knew 50 or even 40 years ago. Uh, We've become a nation that has fed uh, sinful passion until we've worked to justify uh, the lowest of sin, not just in our culture, uh, but even in the church. It is sad today what is promoted in church uh, that is uh, pronounced uh, not only sin, uh, but abomination in the scripture. In every part of society, in every part of society, uh, we see a terrible corrupting and a corruption. I don't know about you, but it it just bothers me. It, it, It bothers me. It bothered me to go to Pigeon Forge this week and see alcohol everywhere. It just bothers me. That, that wasn't the case for all of these years. I've gone to the Smoky Mountains. It wasn't about uh, moonshine. It wasn't about liquor. And you mark my word, uh, that place that's clean will soon be a dirty place. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching this morning. I came prepared to amen myself this morning. And uh, you, you mark my word, alcohol and gambling never improves a society. It always corrupts it. That, just, that grieves my heart. I, uh, I, I'm grieved our educational system. I, I'm grieved that uh, one time what would have been considered child abuse is promoted as an acceptable thing in our schools today. You may say, well, that's just an extreme case somewhere. No, it's going on right here in central Kentucky, what's happening in our schools and the things that are being taught today. I watched a video this week that was a video taken in Philadelphia, a suburb of Philadelphia, 
<clears throat> and there is a drug that's being sold on the streets now that veterinarians use for animals, for horses mainly, and it's called, they're using it, and they sell it as the zombie drug. I've never seen such a frightening, I, I mean, it looked like something that Hollywood promote in a movie, living dead or zombies or something like that. And I, I mean, not just one or two or three, but I'm talking about a mile stretch of, of, of folks whose minds are gone because of the drugs. And the city keeps, the cities continue to promote things that lead hand in hand to those things. Now, I'll tell you that because uh, living near Sodom and Gomorrah and those five cities that were there must have been much like what we're experiencing in our culture today. You can imagine how Abraham's righteous heart was grieved because, of course, Lot was living in Sodom. He had to be grieved not only by the condition of those cities, he had to be grieved because of his own nephew, raised him like his son, was living in Sodom. And I know many folks today whose hearts are broken because of children or grandchildren, nieces or nephews that are living in those environments and they've been caught in the traps of alcohol and, and, and drugs and how, how terrible and what, what a shame and mockery it makes of an individual. But this chapter is not about Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah is a story here. That's not what this chapter is about. If you begin reading chapter 18, here's what you'll find. The Lord comes to visit Abraham, and there are three men that visit with him. And they came to confirm the promise that Abraham would be the father of a great nation. That's the purpose of the chapter. Abraham is visited by the Lord and three men and the reason they come is to confirm. You see, Abraham had been promised in Genesis chapter 12 that he would be the father of a great nation. Time has passed. In fact, so much time has passed. His wife, Sarah, is beyond the age of the physical ability to bear children. And in this passage, you'll find when the angel, when one of these men speak to Abraham and remind them of God's promise, she chuckles, she laughs. And she said, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. I mean, it's not possible. With God, all things are possible. And you know the story, Abraham and Sarah, they do have a child. But the purpose of this chapter is to remind Abraham of the promise. And it's interesting in the wording, while they are there. I want you to look at verse number 17, while they are there. Verse 16, and the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said... Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? This is a secondary thought of this chapter. The focus of the chapter is not on the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. The focus of the chapter is God's promise to Abraham. If I haven't said this in a while, make note of this statement. We're on the winning side. <clears throat> 
God's people are on the winning side. Just go ahead and make note of that if you've forgotten that. And that's what this chapter is about. And he says while he is there, he said now their intention not only was to remind Abraham of the promise, but to go to Sodom and destroy those cities there because of their wickedness and because of their immorality. And he says, shall I hide, shall I hide from Abraham the thing that I intend to do? And so he tells Abraham what his intentions are to destroy the city. And when he does, Abraham, he says, God, wait. Are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And Abraham begins a dialogue with God. And the focus is not on Sodom. Now, I know what happened to Sodom. Those cities are destroyed. And today there's questions as to where those cities were. And uh, they're a part of the Dead Sea, a northern part of the Dead Sea. They're gone. And we know that story. But the purpose and the focus of the chapter is God's promise to Abraham. And you'll find it goes back to that focus in just a moment. And it seems that I have missed it through the years because of the wickedness of Sodom. I have missed the promise and purpose of God in this chapter. And as I read that this week, I said, I don't want to miss the goodness of God in my life because of a culture and a society and a nation that's turned its back on God. Because my relationship with God is not dependent on the culture. My relationship with God is not dependent on society. My relationship with God is not dependent on the direction or the leadership of my nation. I have a relationship with God that is personal, that is powerful, that is every day. And the promises of God are wonderful every day regardless of what's going on around me. I want, you to, I want you to notice, and you know the story, Abraham cared about Sodom. And he said, Lord, I don't want you to destroy Sodom. And the rest of the chapter is a dialogue with God. And he says, God, if I could find 50 righteous people, would you spare the city of Sodom? And God said, yes, I will. It seems that Abraham is having dialogue and he's thinking as he's talking. And he said, peradventure, I can't find 50. Would you spare Sodom if I could find 40 righteous? God said, I would. Peradventure, I can't find 40. Would you spare it for 30? He came all the way down to 10. And the Bible says that the men went on and Abraham communed with God. Now, Abraham is one that, he's the one that stops in the conversation. God doesn't. I believe God may have spared Sodom if Abraham would have said, would you spare it if I could find one righteous person? And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because in the book of Ezekiel, he said, and I sought for a man. He didn't say I looked for a majority. He didn't say I looked for a coalition. He didn't say I looked for a caucus. He said I looked for a man. Just one person that would stand in the gap and make up the hedge. If I could find one, I would spare the nation. That's what he said. But Abraham stopped at ten. And the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, those five cities that were there, they were all destroyed because of their sin. But I want to bring our focus away from the culture today. I'm burdened by the culture. It, it, it's fearful to me. It's fearful for me to people, for people to live in a culture where 
where drugs are a part of our society and a part of the economic fiber. It's fearful to me that the only answer uh, that politicians have for problems is more gaming and more gambling and more alcohol and more sin and more vice. Uh, would to God somebody would stand up in those halls and say uh, the answer is in this book right here and unless we turn from sin to God we're not going to better our nation. But regardless of what they do, our relationship like Abraham is a personal, a powerful, and a protective relationship. I want to walk through the scripture this morning and show you some of the blessings that we find in this passage of scripture. And I want you to notice, first of all, as I make several notes of this passage of scripture, I make note here God is not speaking to a president. He's not speaking to a mayor. He's not speaking to a political leader. He's not speaking to a city council. He didn't make an appointment to speak to a legislative body. He went to a spiritual man. And he said the hope of a society, the hope for a family is not in a group. It's not in a coalition of power. It's not a co in a coalition of money or a coalition of programs. It is in uh, the hope for man is in a spiritual man that will live right and that will lead right. Do you see he's talking about a city, but he's not talking about a city to the city council. He's not talking about a city to the mayor. He's not talking a, a, to, a, a, about a city a, to the law enforcement. He's talking about a city to a spiritual man. And we find from the beginning to the end, from the beginning of civilization to August 13, 2023, our God is in control and our only hope of life and enjoyment of life is in him. Abraham is a friend of God. There are three things I want to point out. First of all, I want to point out his relationship with his heavenly father and the blessings that are received of his relationship with his heavenly father. And you understand that God is just ready to, to, to destroy these cities with fire and brimstone. And I fear that God could bring judgment on our nation at any hour of any day and God would be justified in that judgment. But I want to point out the relationship that he has with his heavenly father. And there are three things I want to point out the relationship of the heavenly father. First of all, I want you to notice discernment. Verse number 19. He said in verse number 17, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation. We have a tendency to look at a problem and say that's the end. That's the trouble when we look at the problem rather than the solution. What we think may be the end. God said you're worried about a nation being destroyed. I came to fulfill the promise of a new nation. That's his purpose of coming to talk about the nation of Israel. They may have thought that civilization will cease to exist, but that's not the case. The purpose of coming is to talk about a new nation. And you may say, well, preacher, what hope do we have? Oh, dear friend, don't limit your eyes to the vision of this world. Uh, look up and look above because heaven is our home. And regardless of what happens to the child of God, this world's not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up. They're supposed to be laid up in heaven. But I want you to notice in verse number 19, the discernment, God says this, For I know him 
Then he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of. I want you to get the picture here. He's saying, now, Abraham, I know what I'm going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah, but I know you're going to do right. And regardless of what the world does, I want you to keep doing right. I want you to keep doing right. Regardless of what happens in Sodom, I want you to rear your children according to my commandments. You keep rearing your children to love God. You keep rearing your children to serve God. You keep doing what's right. And in the midst, you see, we see the problem. We see the destruction. But God says, I see a man of righteousness and a man that I believe, a man, he says, that I know will do right. Not only... Uh, not only is there uh, with, the, uh, with the heavenly father I, I want you to notice not only is there discernment I want you to notice in verse number 18 the decrees of the promises of God look at it verse number 18 seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him now he's finishing the question that he began in verse number 17 he said should I tell Abraham what I'm going to do to this city seeing uh, that uh, he is a good, he is a righteous man that is going to uh, uh, bring life to this nation uh, that will serve me. He's focused on the promises. And may I tell you, so often we set our affection on things of the earth. And when we do, we're disappointed. When we do, we are discouraged. But when we set our affection on things above, we realize no matter how difficult life or the journey may be, uh, we're headed for a better home. And we as a child of God have a relationship with God that's based on the promises of God. I don't know about you, I need these promises of peace in our wicked world. I do get distracted. I, I do become bothered. I, I, I do become low in spirit when I see these things going on. And I have to be reminded of passages of Scripture. And that's why we came to church today to say, don't live in discouragement because of what's around you. Live in encouragement because what is above you and where we're headed to. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm 139. Mark your place in Genesis 18, Psalm 139. Here's a good verse that will help you this week. Psalm 139. And notice, if you will, in verse number 17. 139 and verse number 17. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How precious also are thy thoughts Unto me, O God. And then he says, how great is the sum of them. Now what does that mean? That means the total. The total. That means God didn't just think of me one time, but his thoughts toward me. And when I think of all his thoughts and I add his thoughts together, the sum of them is great God loves me. Yes, we do live in a wicked world. And yes, we do live in a day when Sodom is promoted as that which is good and right. And that which is good and right is told uh, to, is, is uh, uh, counted as evil today. But in all of that, God's promises are wonderful and they sustain us in this life. It wasn't just a privilege of the father. Notice his family is blessed because of this. He didn't just come because of Abraham, 
mom and dad, grandparents, listen to me. He said, while there may be destruction in this chapter, my purpose for coming is to remind Abraham of the promise to him personally as a heavenly father, but there are also promises of a family or to his family. Abraham's privilege is extended beyond his relationship with the Lord. According to the last phrase of verse number 18, all the world will be blessed because of this man Abraham. Look at me so often. Uh, we just count things as good or bad by their current value rather than their future value. Let me give you this illustration. In the days of Hannah, when she could not have children, some would have said to Hannah, you're blessed not to be able to have children because the day is so wicked. But Hannah said, Lord, I pray that you'd give me a son, not for me, but that I may rear him to serve you. And God gave Hannah a son. She, God gave her a son named Samuel. Some would have said, why do you want to rear children in such a wicked world? She said, I want to rear him to be a light in a dark world, to be salt in this world. And when Samuel was just a lad, she took him down to the priest and she gave him to the Lord to serve him all the days of his life. And Samuel became one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. She wasn't looking for payday on Friday. She was looking for the effects of doing right down the road. You see, what you taught in Sunday school, you may be disappointed in the child's behavior tonight or tomorrow that sat in your Sunday school class today, but you'll never know the impact of what you said today in a Sunday school class that will impact a child when they become a teenager, when they come to those years of making decisions. When I was a boy, sometimes our Sunday school classes, because our church was growing when I was a boy, and and we would have Sunday school classes on a bus. And I'll never forget sitting there as a seventh grade boy watching that man teach at Sunday school. He was a foot soldier in Vietnam. And as he would relate being a soldier, he would relate, he would talk about walking in those fields where there were booby traps and things that would, were set there to kill the American soldier. I remember he took me fishing, he took me squirrel hunting. I remember Brother Johnson, my Sunday school teacher when I was in seventh grade, he took me squirrel hunting and, and, and he would stop and he would say, now Jeff, you need to be quiet when you walk. He said, you have to get close enough to a squirrel to shoot it. And he said, you're making so much noise, you're running. I said, I can't walk quiet. He said, that's what I thought when I went to Vietnam. But let me tell you something. When bullets are flying and there's danger, you can do what you think you can't do. I remember the Sunday school lessons he taught from Ephesians 6. He may have been disappointed in my behavior as a teenager sometimes in church. He may have been disappointed, but he had no idea the impact that he had or that he made in my life when I came to those years that I was making decisions in life. You see, Abraham was not just being affected personally in his relationship. He was talking about his family. And he said, I understand we're talking about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. But I want to tell you, your family can be blessed. Even though there's sin and wickedness around you, do right. 
teach the commandments of the word of God. Teach the commandments of God to your children. He taught him with his counsel, verse number 19. He taught him with his character. You see, who you are is even a better testimony than what you say. And our children, they see who we are more than they hear what we say. The character of Abraham was a character of faith in God. Yesterday, as we conducted the funeral service for Larry Roberts, Brother Fisher gave testimony. He said many families after church will go home and eat with their parents. But he said, I was a bus kid, and after church, I ate with the bus kids. He said, while many were getting up to go to church with their family, I would get up to ride a bus. Brother Roberts, I laughed at what he said. He said, Brother Fisher said of Brother Roberts that Brother Roberts was quick to confess Brother Fisher's sins. He called him a rascal. In fact, I visited Brother Roberts a couple of months ago, and he would say, that's Steve Fisher. Boy, he's a rascal, isn't he? Brother Roberts had dementia, and about 30 seconds later, he would say, boy, that's Steve Fisher. He's a rascal, ain't he? And I would say, he sure is. He didn't say he was. He said he is a rascal. But yesterday, it blessed my heart to see his family hear the testimony that the sacrifice of the character of that man to give up his Saturdays, to give up his Sundays, to run a bus and bring him to church made an eternal impact and difference in his life. And while you may not see it today, your character is having an impact on your children. It's having an impact on your grandchildren. You have a Christian character like Abraham had. I know what Genesis 18 is about and we may look at it and say, oh, that's the chapter that God said he would destroy Sodom. The the purpose of this chapter is to remind Abraham of the promise and I'm preaching this morning to remind us we're a child of the king, we're on the winning side, we need to do what's right to do even though our culture and our society around us may be falling apart, there's a God in heaven, he's in control, he's given us a book to follow and we need to follow it not only in our lives but in the rearing of our children. Not only the father, not only the family, then he talks to him about his future. I mentioned this already, but I'll say it again. While Sodom was soon to be destroyed, Abraham's future was secured. May I say for the child of God, our future is secure. Let's do right. It's one thing for the culture to ignore God. We don't have to do that because the culture does. God help the Christian today that is, more, that is more influenced by the culture than they are the commandments of God. May I say this morning, I challenge you. I'm preaching to you this morning. Live your life according to the word of God. Doesn't matter what the majority does. Doesn't matter what the popular, what, what's popular. It doesn't matter what's in the top ten. What matters is what God's word said. And God is the one that is the person that gives the promise and has the power to back up those promises and to fulfill those promises in our lives. And I ask you the question, where are those cities, those five cities of Sodom? Well, few know. 
But ask anybody in the world, have you ever heard the name Abraham? And everybody knows. Everybody knows of Abraham. And so as I studied, as I read that passage of Scripture with a heavy heart for my nation, and my heart is heavy for my nation. My, my, my heart's heavy for our country today. And, and to be honest, I see no hope as far as the world is concerned. I, I, don't, I don't see any hope on the horizon. But I open this book one more time and I say, wow. The chapter that I always focused on what happened to Sodom is not really about Sodom. It's about God reminding Abraham of his promise. And on a side note, he says, should I tell Abraham what I intend to do in Sodom? And they begin the dialogue that finishes the chapter, but the purpose is to remind of the promise. May I say this morning, I remind you, let's do right. We're on the winning side. I'm not saying to forget our society. Our responsibility is to be a light and salt to this world. And let's do that. But let's not let the world discourage us because they don't determine where we're headed. The promise of God does. Can I show you two verses? Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Look at these. Isaiah 40. And I'm almost finished. And I'm early this morning. Isaiah 40. Verse number 12. The vastness of the power of God. This verse talks about how great and powerful our God is. Here's what it says, Isaiah 40, verse number 12. Let, let's look at verse number 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall, he shall gather the lambs with his arms, carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? He measured the Atlantic Ocean in his hand. He, he, he measures the Mediterranean Sea in his hand. That, that reminds me of asking somebody who's from Michigan where they're from. They always do this. And then they point to the city where they're from in the hand, right? Is that how you folks do from Michigan? God says the Atlantic Ocean, oh, it's about the size of that little crevice in my hand right there. Oh, the Mediterranean you can hardly see it in my hand, but it would be about right there. He measures the ocean. That's, we're not talking about one wicked man. We're talking about the God of all creation, how great he is. And meted out heaven with a span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. And weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Folks, we serve a great God. Let's live right. Let's walk with God. While we're concerned about what's going on around us, don't let that determine your joy, your gladness, and happiness. Let your relationship with God and the promises of God keep you going and serving God with your life. Stand with me if you will. Our heads are bowed.